Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. Today's episode, I am going to be talking about that new word that was has gained attention. I think it was first talked about in a New York Times article in May 2021, languishing. Also talk about there's another new word. It is called post-pandemic stress disorder. And lastly, in this episode, I want to touch on and talk a little bit about intermittent fasting and fasting. I will do a disclaimer. If you are someone that in the past has struggled or have had an eating disorder or any type of disordered eating, you should not be doing fasts or fasting. If you are pregnant or nursing, you should not be doing this. And always talk to your healthcare provider, your doctor, or someone else to tell them about this and help you do it properly. If you are someone that has an addictive personality, this can also be a slippery slope for you. I am not a doctor. I am not a clinical nutrition. Nutrition. I'm not a clinical nutritionist. I am not a dietitian. I am a registered and certified holistic health coach. I have done training in nutrition, but I am not a specialist by any means. And I am just talking about my personal experience, my research, and my podcast episodes are always entertainment purpose only. So again, Always talk to your healthcare provider. If this episode resonates with you, please share it with someone else who you think will find it informative. Please share it on social media. Tag me. If you want to subscribe to my channel, go to wherever you listen to your podcast, subscribe. Please leave a rating and review and enjoy this episode. All right. So um, in May 2021, an article in the New York Times, it went viral and it brought the psychological term languishing to our attention. So what is languishing? Um, It's that blah feeling, that feeling you're experiencing if you're not quite sad, but you're not quite happy. It could be a Friday and you aren't hopping out of bed like, yay, TGIF, it's Friday. You pull your covers over your head. You're not quite burnt out. Um, You don't feel down to the point of depression, like you're not depressed, but you don't feel like joyful either. You know, exactly what I said. It's that blah 
um, we have like the majority of people in the past two, three years with the pandemic have, it's been like chaos and grief and a lot of stress of the, of the pandemic and lockdowns. And then even after the lockdowns, experiencing a strange few years. So the New York Times explained the psychology behind that feeling and perfectly encapsulated this pandemic-fueled mental health phenomenon as languishing. And languishing is the neglected middle child of the mental health, writes U.S. psychologist Adam Graham. And he's also an author of the bestseller book, Think Again, The Power of Knowing What You Don't Know. So again, languishing. Um, it's, you know, that flat, aimless feeling that hovers over over you. Like gloom, you're not quite happy, but you're not sad either. Um, so what we want to talk about with um, the other phenomenon going on right now, that post-pandemic, stress disorder. So isn't that crazy? Okay, so um, in the pieces, U.S. psychologist Adam Grant writes, um, languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days looking at your life through a foggy windshield, and it might be the dominant emotion of 2021. Um, but what we, what would you say if someone asked you what the dominant emotion of 2022 is so far? So it's April. Well, you're going to be listening to this and it's going to be May. You know, the world is opening back. Well, the world, in the U.S., the world has been opened back. And on air, I think it's domestic airlines. Um, I'm not sure if it's like overseas yet but you don't have to wear masks anymore on air airlines um so what is the emotion of 2022 is it relief is it hope is it joy the thing is there's a new coin and it's called languishing languishing 2.0 so it's saying basically like our emotions are flatlining we're just blah again we're easily irritated, easily agitated. Um, we, we do get joy. We do get bursts of joy. Um, there's some statistics. It's estimated that the pandemic led to a 27.6 increase in cases of major depressive disorder and a 25% increase in cases of anxiety disorders worldwide in 2020. This is according to a scientific brief released by the World Health Organization uh, just last month in April 2022. So, I mean, it's honestly, it's no wonder we're so psychologically burnt out. It's, they've coined it post-traumatic, or they haven't coined it. This is a real thing, sorry. Um, Post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And this occurs after someone experiences a significant traumatic event in life. But I think there's a new potential disorder on the horizon. And this has been coined and 
called post-pandemic stress disorder. This uh, is by Owen O'Kane. He's a psychotherapist and he's also the author of How to Be Your Own Therapist. He says that post-pandemic stress disorder is directly linked to the traumatic impact of the pandemic and our struggle to adjust to normal in quotation, mark, in quotation marks, normal life alongside a scientific rise in mental health. So he also says like the issue is the invisibility of the pandemic. You know, there's a real risk that trauma impacted a lot of us. And it, and, and it has, you know, there's loss, there's isolation, there's the actual people getting sick. Um, just everything was changed and it was so much uncertainty, but how do you recognize potential post pandemic stress disorder? So here are some symptoms, um, increased levels of anxiety, variation in moods, sleep issues, nightmares, avoiding situations that remind you of a pandemic or lockdown, feeling on guard, unconstantly vigilant about future pandemics or reoccurrence of COVID, intrusive type thoughts about your pandemic experiences, social anxiety. A lot of us develop social anxiety if you didn't have it before. Demotive and loss of interest in everyday life. So how can you cope with this? Always seek professional support if you're struggling to cope or symptoms feel overwhelming. Prepare how you will adjust to normal life again. Again, in the U.S., like, it's been normal for quite some time now. Um, you know, even face masks aren't required anymore. Uh, doctor's offices and hospitals, dentist's office, I think still are in the area I'm living Um but pretty much everything's been back open. There are new, like, I feel like kids, um, there's more aggression in some kids. I'm hearing from my kids at things going on at school that they've never experienced before, even like my younger kid. So people are more irritable. I find that people have more road rage now. Um, people don't seem as compassionate, believe it or not, that I deal with and see. Um, so these are just some things that I'm, everyone seems short-tempered, short-fused, if that makes sense. Um, you can, how else can you help? You can create a daily schedule to help you reset. This might include designated time out periods, you know, give yourself a time out, go on walks. Walks are so good. I want to do a podcast just about walking. I mean, there's so many studies and research right now that it is just so good for you, for your mind, for your mental and physical health. Um, exercise, you know, my saying, it's the legally blonde saying, exercise gives you endorphins. Endorphins make you happy. You know, happy people don't go around killing their husbands. Um, meditation. Or anything that helps you in your brain and your mind and your switch off. This will help you feel a greater sense of control and allow, allow psychological recovery 
talk through any issues you are struggling with. If even with a friend, you know, FaceTime, call a friend, go out for coffee, go out for drinks, go out for breakfast, go out for lunch, go on walks with a friend, a friend who is a good listener. When you talk, you process material and this leads to healing. And then also remember this has been, you know, we have never, well, it depends on your age. Because I think some people went through um, other pandemics when they were kids. Um, But my lifetime and my kids' lifetime, this has been the only pandemic we've gone through. You know, the, and back in 2020, lockdown, that was completely new and it's going to be in history books and things like that. So, and remember if you're struggling to cope with your mental health, you need to speak to someone, speak to a professional, speak to a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, and a psychiatrist. All right, let's, we're going to, going to switch gears to fasting. Um, many people associate fasting with restricted eating or restricting eating for long periods of time. There are actually many styles of quote unquote fasting um, with different timing, which can make fasting an easier and more approachable practice. Um, a lot of times, like the most basic kind of fast is the break taken between dinner and breakfast, you know, breakfast, break fast, fasting during this time, which usually falls between 12 and 14 hours. It just depends on your last meal before you eat your last meal that you eat before you go to bed. Um, and this falls into line with our natural circadian rhythm of when the sun is up. And then it goes down, you know, dinner, go to bed, breakfast. Um, So what is a fast? Simply put, it means you stop eating completely or almost completely for a certain stretch of time. Again, I already said this, a fast usually lasts from 12 to 24 hours. Uh, Well, I said 12 to 14, and that's just from dinner to breakfast. But a fast that you're doing on purpose can last. 12 to 24 hours, but some, some people do it for days. You know, I'm really touching on this lightly because you really, really need to be careful when fasting. And later on, I'll talk about, uh, I already did the disclaimer, people that shouldn't do it, but I'll do, I'll talk more about that also. In some fasts, you are allowed water, tea, and coffee and small amount of foods during the fasting period. Fasting has actually been around many, 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 many years, and it's a it's common in some major religion traditions like Buddhism, uh, Christianity, Hinduism, Islam, Judaism. Also, in like in ancient Greece, Greek, Greek, <laughs> in ancient Greece, Hippocrates believed it helped the body heal itself. So even back then, like people were seeing benefits of it in the body healing itself. During Ramadan, many Muslims fast from dawn to sunset every day for a month. And this has proven, provided scientists with quite a bit of information about what happens to our bodies when you fast. So 
you know, people, scientists and doctors, and they've been studying this and why people do this besides religious practices. So there are a number of health reasons and we see this a lot. Um, first you might have guessed, um, weight loss. Okay. Um, but that's not, I don't think that's the reason you should do it at all. There's also research showing that certain types of fasting may help improve your cholesterol, our blood pressure, our glucose levels, insulin sensitivity, and other health issues. So if you feel it's a good idea to fast for health benefits that I mentioned above for health issues, um, you will... uh, You will be hungry, I think, when you first start. Is it safe? So brief fasting isn't likely to hurt you if you are a healthy adult. Whether um, you still want to be giving your body good nutrients and you need food to thrive. So you want to make sure you talk to your doctor first and if you, especially if you have health problems or you take any kind of medication, talk to your doctor and healthcare provider. Like I said in the disclaimer, if you are pregnant, breastfeeding, or you have a history of eating disorders, you should avoid fasting of any kind. If you are a kid, if you are a teen, if you are a tween, you should not be fasting either. What can you eat when you fast when you're not Fasting, let's talk about this first. When you're not fasting, you can eat the food you normally would. Um, You know, a lot of people, though, when they'll fast and then they'll binge. So you need to be mindful of that. Just eat, add more fruits to your diet. Add veggies, add whole grains. Um, Add quality food, you know. Um, You might, you still want to eat healthy when you're eating the food, quality counts. You know, um, if you're fasting for lower blood pressure and, and insulin sensitivity, this is a great option. Do the fasting and eat more fruits and veggies. So, Intermittent fasting. I think this is the most well-known one. This is an off. This is an off and on type of fasting. And there are three in this category. There are three main types that doctors have studied and people have studied to improve health. So it's time restricted feeding. Then there's alternate day fasting, and then there's modified fasting. So what? So time restricted feeding. This means you do all of your eating in a certain stretch of that day, and it's often around 8 to 12 hours. So you often, say you finish your dinner by 8 p.m., and then you've already achieved 12 hours of your fast by 8 a.m. A lot of people do this um, 14 to 16 hours. So they try to do 16 hours, and they go to noon, and then they eat their lunch, and This, though, I think you need to be mindful. If you are hungry and you are starving and you're hungry at 9 a.m., eat. 
Do not sit there and say, I have to wait until noon. And then you get shaky and you get hangry. You know, eat. Okay. This is what I think for any time restricted fast you're doing. It's, and then there's alternate day fasting. And this is sometimes called complete alternate day fasting because the time when you don't eat lasts a full 24 hours. I have never done this one. So you follow that with one or more feasts, as it's called, days when you can eat as much as you want. Even though the studies are very limited, the results suggest that alternate day fasting can lead to improved health also. But this one is really hard to stick to over a long period of time. Modified fasting. This type allows you to eat around 20% to 25% of your normal daily energy needs on scheduled fast days. So this is enough to remind you what you're missing, I guess, so to speak. So one popular version of this is the 5-2 diet. And this requires two days a week not in a row, of a 24-hour fast. And then on the other five days of the week, you eat however you eat, you know, breakfast at 9 a.m., snack, lunch, snack, dinner. Um, so is this tough? Um, complete alternate day fasting can be very hard to stick to over a long period of time. Versions of fasting seem to get easier over time. The intermittent fasting, I think, is the most popular, and it, it's because it's the easiest to stick to. Um, there are some studies that it helps with diabetes. So like I said, I believe fasting for health reasons, not for weight loss. I think this is a horrible option if you're trying to lose weight. So some studies show that fasting might help people with diabetes or pre-diabetes control blood sugar, and this improves insulin sensitivity. Other recent research looking at time-restricted fasting disputes some of these claims. If you have either of these conditions, it's very, very, very important to talk to your doctor before you make any changes to your medication insulin use, or your eating habits. So please remember this. People do fasting because snacking and late night eating, it interferes with our body's ability to rest, repair, and regenerate. So time-restricted eating, it's not about restricting calories. It is about limiting, it limits our feeding window to optimize our body's ability to repair. Like, um, you might consume all of your meals between 7 a.m. and 3 p.m. or 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. Rare, really narrow windows of time, like eating only within eight hours a day and then remembering to eat the best quality choice of food. Um, also, people that have adrenal fatigue, if you're tired and just so tired, so exhausted, you know, if you do practice intermittent fasting, maybe take a day off. Intermittent fasting, it um, can hurt, uh, it doesn't help with adrenal fatigue. You know, you're tired, you're not getting good quality of sleep. You want to be mindful of that. And also women 
should not be fasting the same way as men. We cannot fast as much as men, especially when we have um, our cycles. We need to be mindful of that as well. Um, other things, um, you know, the big thing is still eat properly and you don't want to do it and then like binge on fries or something because it really defeats the, defeats the purpose of re- help, helping your body regenerate, recover, and rest. And that's basically why we should be doing it. Um, the other methods are the 16-8 method. I didn't mention this. There are yard people working on our yard and my dogs are going crazy. I am so sorry. One second, please. Oh, they stopped. Okay. So the 6-8 method, also called Lean Gains Protocol, it involves skipping breakfast and restricting your daily eating period to eight hours. Uh, Example, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. And then you fast for 16 hours. Eat to stop method. Eat, stop, eat method, rather. This involves fasting for 24 hours. So again, I already gave some. um, Mostly the... Intermittent fasting, the 16-8, this is the simplest and most sustainable and the easiest to stick to. And it is also the most popular one. Um, how, how it affects your cells and your hormones. When you fast, several things happen to our, it happens to our body on a cellular and molecular level. And for example, your body adjusts hormone levels to make stored body fat more accessible. So your cells also innate important repair processes and changes, and it changes the expression of genes. Human growth hormone, or HGH, the levels of growth hormone skyrocket, increasing as much as five-fold. This has benefits for fat loss and muscle gain, to name a few. Insulin. Insulin sensitivity improves and levels of insulin drop dramatically when you fast. So lower insulin levels make stored body fat more accessible also, and this helps also with diabetes. Cellular repair. When fasted, your cells initiate cellular repair process, and this includes autophagy where cells digest and remove old and dysfunctional proteins that build up inside of our cells. And another thing that happens when you fast is gene expression. And there are changes in the function of genes related to longevity and um, it protects protects against disease. So a lot of people do fasting um, to help with brain health. And I'll talk more about... um, the benefits of fasting as well. Um, Health benefits include, like I just mentioned, insulin resistance. Intermittent fasting can reduce insulin resistance, lowering blood sugar by three to 6% and fasting insulin levels by 20 to 31%, which can protect against type two diabetes. Another health benefit is inflammation. Some studies show reduction in markers of inflammation and 
Inflammation is a key driver of many chronic diseases. There's studies about heart health. Intermittent fasting may reduce bad LDL cholesterol, blood triglycerides, inflammatory markers, blood sugar, and insulin resistance, and these are all risk factors of heart disease. Studies in some animals also suggest that intermittent fasting may prevent cancer. Like I mentioned before, brain health, intermittent fasting increases the brain hormone BDNF and may aid in the growth of new nerve cells. And there are studies and research that it may also protect against Alzheimer's disease. Also, intermittent fasting can extend lifespan, and this is proven in some animals and rats. It's anti-aging. Studies show that fasted rats lived 36 to 83% longer. So, I mean, keep in mind all this research is still in its early stages. Uh, many of the studies um, were short-termed, short but I think you can incorporate it once in a while you don't want to do intermittent fasting like every single day for years and years and years. <laughs> um, you know, like I said before, intermittent fasting and fasting are not for everyone. So let's talk about women. Fasting it may not be as beneficial for women as it is for men. It fasting improves insulin levels more in men, but in some women, it has shown to worsen our blood sugar control in women. So that's kind of interesting. Um, through human studies on this topic, um, it also has shown um, women miss cycles when they're fasting too much. So if you are trying to conceive, you do, might not want to practice intermittent fasting. Um, talk to your healthcare provider. If you are postmenopause, though, menopausal, it is shown to help more. So if you are still, you know, in your 20s and 30s and trying to conceive, you know, you might not want to start fasting. If you are postmenopausal, it might have more benefits. Um, what else? There are, uh, like I said before, if you're having issues with fertility and or trying to conceive, you hold off on intermittent fasting for now because it, it will... It's just like if um, runners, if you run too much, sometimes it affects your menstrual cycle. This will also affect your menstrual cycle. Um, and again, women shouldn't be fasting as much as men. Um, safety side effects. You know, a side effect is you're going to be hungry. If you are starving and hangry, eat. I really think I am more on the side that you do not practice intermittent fasting for weight loss alone. I do it for the health benefits. I do it to help brain health and anti-aging. I don't do it that often anymore. 
uh, because I am pretty tired a lot now because of my sleep schedule, because of anxiety and stress levels, this will add to that. So if you are already highly stressed, do not add extra stress on because this will create um, adrenal fatigue also. Um, if you have medical conditions, you should consult with your doctor before. Um, if you're taking any medicine, you want to be mindful and talk to a healthcare provider. If you are underweight, do not do this. Talk to a healthcare provider. If you, again, have a history of eating disorders, talk to your healthcare provider. This can trigger it. It is not something I suggest. Um, frequently asked questions. Can I drink liquids during a fast? Yes. Water, coffee, tea, other non-caloric beverages are fine. Don't add sugar to anything. Is it unhealthy to skip breakfast? No. I mean, most stereotypical breakfast skippers have unhealthy lifestyles to begin with. So if like I said, the um, intermittent fasting, the 16-hour fast, eat dinner at night and then you don't eat again until like lunchtime, maybe like 11, maybe 10 a.m., 11 a.m. or noon. Um, again, I've said this many times. If you are starving and you are hungry, don't try to hold off. Eat when you're hungry. Um, can you work out while fasting or fasted? Yes, it's fine. Some people, though, it's not. They'll get shaky, so you need to listen to your body. Um, getting started, uh, you know, most often. Oh, wait, I want to, should, and then again, I've said this already. Kids should not fast. I don't care how old you are. You should not. I don't even think 18, 19, and 20, 21 should. You should be older, later in life, um, done growing, Females aren't really done growing yet in their early 20s, you know, um, but chances are we have unintentionally intermittent fasted in our life. You go to bed after, or you, you eat dinner and then you go to bed and then you don't eat. Uh, you're busy in the morning, you're not eating breakfast, and then you are like, oh my gosh, it's almost lunchtime, and you eat. So unintentionally, we have done it. Should you try it? So again, I keep going over this and reiterating it because I, am, I have gone back and forth about doing this topic because I don't want to trigger someone and I don't want someone to do it that shouldn't do it. If you are doing it for health benefits like inflammation, brain health, heart health, anti-aging, the, these are reasons you should try it. Um, if it's you're simply using it as a tool to lose weight, there are better methods, I think, out there. And I, I personally don't think it's a good um, and sustainable way of eating. Um, but otherwise, the health benefits are amazing. I read um, Dr. Mark Hyman's book, The Pagan Diet, and he's a He's a really big proponent on intermittent fasting once in a while also. But the pagan diet 
lifestyle I think really works well for me. I believe in not one way of eating for everyone. Everyone is different. So I've said this on earlier podcast episodes. What works for one person won't work for another. And this is also how I think about fasting. Um, But my approach is I do intermittent fasting once in a while. I have held back recently this year. Don't really do it and practice it as much as I have been just because I have not been sleeping well and my anxiety is really bad again. So I know to listen to my body and I listen to it this way. I do practice the pagan diet and that is plant-based and I don't eat gluten anymore. I did when we were on vacation in Miami, some things. Um, It works for my gut health better and I feel more energized when I eat this way. So I like to eat a very clean way of eating lots of fruits, lots of vegetables. I started eating more fruits again when we were in Florida because the heat there and I was just really craving it. And that's something I enjoy eating. (laughs) Um, I hope this episode was informative and you learned more about intermittent fasting and you, if you choose to use it, you do it healthy, properly. You talk to your healthcare provider And if this episode resonated with you, please leave a comment, a review, share it also. If uh, languishing, you like that term, please let me know. I hope everyone has a great day. Thanks. Take time to take care of yourself and reach out to someone you love and let them know you're thinking about them and care about them.